right. Kids Life, you are dismissed. Kids Life, you are dismissed. Um, I want to do something real fast. Uh, before we came out this morning, and I hope you don't kill me, but um, before we came out this morning, David had got a text about his dad, um, something going on with him. So I'm just going to ask if you would join me real fast uh, to just pray. What's your dad's name? Don. Don. Let's pray for Mr. Don real quick. God, I love you. Lord, thank you. Um, Jesus, we, uh, we pray, God, right now that you just move and speak. God, that you heal Mr. Don. God, don't know the full situation, but um, David got a text, and so... God, can't even imagine his heart right now, Lord, as he led us in worship. God, thank you for him, his family. God, I pray right now, Lord, you move. Uh, God, the conversations he has to have here in a moment as he steps out, God, I pray that they would be good. God, I pray that they would be um, all right. God, just, just move. God, give peace. God, heal. Uh, do a work. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you for David. God, if he has to leave, God, we pray for safe travel mercies. God, we just pray that you move in a mighty way. And then we pray. Amen. Love you, man. All right, um, welcome. If you've got your Bible, grab those. We'll be in Acts chapter 10. Um, as you're turning there, a uh, couple things real fast. Uh, just, I just think it's, it's, it's cool what God's doing here. Um, and so what I mean by that is this, is that we have had... Um, We've had an influx here lately, and the influx that we've had is of children um, uh, and children. So uh, just kind of give you a picture. Last week, um, and we've got some amazing leaders in our uh, children's ministry. So last week we had um, 63 kids on campus here last week hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that, is it, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, and so that, that is a great thing, but with that comes some um, healthy problems and the healthy problems is this is with 63 kids getting poured into and getting loved on um, we need people to help with that and I just so happen to be looking at what I think to be like the best looking people I've ever seen <laughs> you see where I'm going for children's ministry uh, and they happen uh, you're held captive right now you're here you're like yeah right and so um, what I'm saying is this is that with that is an amazing thing and I, I'll just give you a quick story of my own real fast to, to try to even pull at your heartstrings even more. Um, but I've got a three-year-old, and so this week we're driving uh, to take him to daycare, and as we're driving, just out of nowhere, he's like, God made the sun? And I didn't know if that was a question or a statement, you know? And so I've got to be careful because I'll overanalyze stuff. I'm like, yeah, buddy, you ready to be saved? Let's, let's do this thing. Like, I'm... Like I'm, like, I'm ready, like, let's get the theological here. I'll pour into this kid, like, God. And so, so I dial it back for a minute, Scott, just breathe. And so I said, yeah, buddy, he sure did. And then there was a cow, and God made the cow. I said, yeah, buddy, he made that cow too. And so you see where we're going with this? This three-year-old is starting to pick up, and he's starting to see some of these things. And it's because he's hearing it somewhere. And I said, buddy, where? And, of course, we talk about it at home. But I'm like, yeah, buddy, where, where did you hear this? Where, why, why did you say that? And he said, church. I said, what? He said, church, they tell me. They tell me stuff. And I'm like, they tell you stuff? He's like, yeah, they do. I said, buddy, that is awesome that they tell you that. So I say that and tell you that story is because we need more of you to do that. We need more of you to pour in. And this is what's great. It can be anywhere from holding a baby. And listen, man, like this is, this is your free get out of jail card because we don't let men change diapers here. So I mean, this is easy, you know? It's like if there's a diaper anywhere. Like you don't even have to go close to it. That's the other women's part to do. Now at home, different story. But here, one of the rules that we've got is no. So, so you're out, out there. So men, all that, we need you. Women, men, we need you to just pour in and love on our kids and just, man, encourage them. And so uh, we want to be a place that, and as you've heard me say, that loves children. And so we need more people to help love children. And so if you'd be interested, please, 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 
pray about that. See me, or see Deanne or Ashley. They're over here in this hall. They're serving this morning, and so point out their life in those kids. And so uh, see one of us. We would love to direct you more. Even after the covenant class, there'll be an opportunity if you uh, have a heart or passion for children um, to, to sign up for that too even. So um, just, just be praying for some of those things. And so um, I'm gonna ask this morning uh, that we pray God bless this, um, his word, bless the rest of this service. So I'm gonna ask you if you'd join me real fast as we, we pray. God, again, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. I don't think we can talk to you too much. Um, I don't believe that's the case. And so, God, I know that there's a lot going on right now. God, we pray that you just move and speak. God, David and his heart and his family, God, whatever's going on there, Lord, you know. And so we pray, God, that you just move in his dad, that you make your presence known. God, we pray for this service. Um, Lord, we pray for our children's ministry. God, it is amazing for whatever reason you've seen fit to entrust us with kids. And so, God, we thank you for that privilege and honor. And so, God, help us to shepherd well there. God, help us to continue to lift high your name and make you known, God, from babies all the way up through our youth. God, I just pray you speak. God, I pray you make your presence known. Jesus, I pray that you just move in this place this morning through the, uh, the preaching and proclaiming of your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit fall heavy upon this place. God, again, I'm gonna just beg of you to save the lost. God, I'm gonna ask you to set the captive free. God, release the chains. God, just move in a mighty way. God, teach us, shape us, and mold us into the image of your son. Jesus, we desperately need you. Holy Spirit, fall heavy upon this place. Fill us, fill me, God. Give me words to say. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, so last week we started into um, uh, a pretty weighty talk um, as we are in a series in Acts and so we're letting the scripture dictate where we go. And so uh, last week we started in Acts chapter 10 and we looked at this, this um, dream that the apostle Peter has. But before he has this dream, almost at the same time, there is this Italian cohort um, named Cornelius, who is a man um, who is high ranking. Uh, he is non-Jew, so he's a Gentile. And so he's on the outside of things as it would come to God's chosen people or as it would come to a uh, uh, type of class of people in the world at the time. And so he's outside of that. And so he uh, is a man that prays and seeks God. And so God uh, speaks to him gives him a vision and talks to him and he says you need to go after this man named Peter and he tells him where he's going to be he's got a word for you and so uh, Cornelius does that and sends some of his men to get Peter and as he sends some of his men to get Peter Peter is up on the rooftop praying and as he's praying he's hungry and he has this vision and there's a sheet that's um, lowered from heaven and in this sheet there is all kinds of animals whom the Jews would deem to be unclean who would, who they would, animals that they would not touch, animals that they would have nothing to do with, and certainly not eat. And so in this vision, God tells Peter to kill and eat these animals. And he says, oh, oh no, God, there, there's, I can't do that. I'm a good upstanding Jewish man, and I know the ceremonial laws, and I know the, the rituals that we have, and I'm not about to do that. And so Peter says no, and then God corrects Peter real quick. And he says, what I've deemed clean, let no man call unclean. Don't even go that direction. And so God tells Peter to eat and to do this. And see, the thing is, is, is Peter comes from a system and comes from a, a society and a culture that says, no, you have nothing to do with that. You have nothing to do with those kinds of, those kinds of food or those kinds of animals or those kinds of things that are deemed unclean. And so about at that time, there's a knock on the door and Cornelius' men show up. And so what they do is they get Peter and they take Peter back to where Cornelius is at. And as he gets there, he walks into the room. And I think we miss what's happening in the story because of the culture that we live in. Uh, we're, we're removed from that. So you've got this Jewish man that walks into a room full of Gentile men who, who are looked at as second class, who are looked at as outside of. They're no good. They're unclean. 
And so he walks in and he tells them, I'm trying to quote the scripture, he, he tells them that, that um, it's okay for me to be here. I know this is unlawful, but it's okay for me to be here, that, 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 you're, not un, that you're not unclean, that you're not no good. And so I think we missed the, the weight of that or the tension in that. And so uh, we kind of moved it to 2019 and we kind of made it this. If we look at it like this, a, a black and a white thing, and you walk into a room and you say something like that, the tension and the pressure that comes with that. And we looked at that last week and we talked about just some racial things that I believe that we've seen in the story from last week. And those are gonna continue to, to, to move on as we look at this story, as we walk through God's word. And so will it get uncomfortable this morning? Probably, probably a little uncomfortable. But that's not a bad thing because I believe it's in those moments, in those places where God moves, where God does work, where God presses upon our heart and challenges us, where about the Holy Spirit can move in and bring about change in us. And so as Peter's there and he's talking, he starts to put it together. And this is what God's showing him, Acts 10, 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. And that's where we landed last week. Regardless of skin color, regardless of background, regardless of socioeconomics, regardless of where you live or what you drive, none of that stuff matters into the kingdom of God. He could care less about that. God sees past all of that junk, the external stuff, and he sees to the heart of man. That's where we landed hard last week and talked about uh, a ton last week. And then he goes on in verse 35 and he says this. He says, but in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So all along, the forbidding of, un, un, of eating unclean animals had just been a picture of human sinfulness. That's what it is. It, it's an illustration and a picture of man's heart. See, eating a certain animal would make them unclean. It would defile them, per se. And so that's what sin does. It defiles us. It separates us from being able to be with God. That's what sin does. But what do we know? Jesus dies, and what does he do? He removes the sin and separation to all of those who will believe in Jesus. If you put your faith and trust in Christ, that separation's gone. That defilement is gone. We are made holy and righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so it goes on, and uh, the word that Peter's gonna hammer home as he continues in uh, this sermon over the next 10 verses is this word, all. Like in verse 36 of chapter 10, Jesus, Jesus is Lord of all is what is said. That's what Peter tells. That's what Peter says, regardless of background, regardless of skin color, regardless of the ridiculous things that we use to divide, Jesus is Lord of all. Verse 38, it says this, that Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil, which would include Gentiles, which would include Jews, which would include tax collectors, those that are, those are looked down upon, those that, that, are, that are second-rate type people in the world at this time, that, that, that Jesus healed those types of people that he healed the Roman soldiers, that he heals the prostitutes, those people in a culture, those people in a society that are looked down upon that seem to be uh, very bad per se as we would say it. That's who Jesus comes to redeem and rescue. And then Peter ends the sermon this way in verse 43. He says, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So what's happening here is this, is that Peter is in this, area, this place, this room with these Gentile men, these men that would be deemed to be second class by culture. 
second class at best. He's in this room with them and he's starting to proclaim. All he knows is that they've come to get him and apparently God has a word for him to tell the people. And as he's there, he, he starts, to, starts to see and realize what that word is. And he starts to preach and proclaim the gospel, tell the good news of Jesus. And as he does that, it's almost like he's, he's just getting started. And as he gets started, the Holy Spirit falls heavy upon that place and people start to get saved. It would be much like this morning, me here in this place. I just got through my introduction and I'm starting to head toward the first point. And as I head toward the first point, um, and just in that moment, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit falls heavy upon this place and people just start giving their life to Jesus left and right. Yes, I, I'm in need of salvation. Yes, I need rescue. Yes, I see who I am. The, the gospel has been told to me by the Holy Spirit and, and I desperately need Jesus. And, and it's like, I haven't even got to the poem yet. Like I'm just on the first point. I haven't even made it to the poem, but it doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit falls heavy and as the Holy Spirit falls heavy and convicts and draws lost men, they're just saying, I don't care what you have to say, I just know I need Jesus. And that's kind of the picture of what's taking place here this morning in this scripture. Exactly what's happening. See, the Holy Spirit starts saving men, lost men. And so I just believe, church, if we're just faithful and doing what God has called us to do, he'll take care of the rest. See, all Peter knew is that he needed to go somewhere that God called him to go somewhere. He wasn't even sure what he was gonna say. It wasn't until he got there that he realized what God wanted him to tell the people. And in doing that and being obedient to God, God just starts to save people left and right. Just left and right, he starts to save people. And so we need to do our part, and I believe with everything in me that God will do his. So as I read this, as I look at this, the thing that I absolutely love about this is just the simplicity of faith. The simplicity of faith. There's no ceremony. There's no prayer. There's no just come on down, brother. There's none of that. It's just in that moment, the Holy Spirit falls heavy upon the place. And as the Holy Spirit falls heavy upon the place, people just give their life to Jesus. They're outed for who they are. They see their great need. They see the way that God sees them. God has opened up their heart to the realization of that. And in that, they say, I need Jesus. And they're just saved. They're just saved. They they give their life to Christ. They come to faith in Jesus. And I just love that. I love the simplicity of that. See, this altar call and coming down thing is just saying, hey, yes, I believe. The way that I like to tell it, for me, I was saved at 11 at Vacation Bible School, and I can remember the whole week, I was there for the cookies and the Kool-Aid, and it was good cookies and Kool-Aid, and I was there, and I can remember Friday night when they do the big ceremony where everybody gets to come down and sing songs and do the presentation of everything that you'd done that week, recapping the week, and the preacher's up there preaching the gospel, and when he gets finished, a little old lady in the corner playing the piano starts to play and we start to sing. And I can remember standing there, minding my own business. I'd won the goldfish. I was good. I got what I came for. I can remember standing there and out of nowhere, God had the audacity to interrupt my good week with the reality that I needed him. So my week goes from good to great is what happened. And I'm standing there at the ripe old age of 11 and I'm hearing these songs and I'm trying to process everything that had been said. And for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit says, you need Jesus. And I stood there and I tried to sing these songs knowing I needed to step out. Knowing I needed to step out. And for whatever reason, my feet were as heavy as they've ever been. But I could remember that moment that I broke free and I believe with everything in me that Jesus saved me before I got down to here. And I believe that's what we see in the scripture here. I knew I needed him. And in that moment of me needing him and me walking toward him, he gloriously saves me. And that's what we see in this picture. The picture here in this scripture conversion happens when you believe that Jesus has died for you and you embrace that as your own. Just believe. It's coming to faith is what it is. Verse 45, it says this, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. 
Uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on these, these people that would seem to be outside of a people that God would want for himself. Those that are looked at as second rate and, and, and of no good, God pours out his spirit on them. Look at what it says in verse 46. It says, for they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Don't get all weirded out here. Just let the text be the text. Let's just let it tell us what it means. And so it just means that the Jews could understand them. That the Holy Spirit had been poured out and they could understand in their own tongue. It's the reverse of what happens in Acts chapter 2. Where the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the Jews and they begin to speak in the tongues of the people that are all gathered there. They begin to speak in the language of all the people that are gathered there. It would be much like this, and I've, I've joked about this because I know no Spanish. I struggle with English as my first language. No Spanish at all. It would be almost like this. Is in, in this moment, say we'd have um, some brothers and sisters that, that, that speak in that language, and it would be like in this moment, God just fills me with his spirit, and in him filling me with his spirit and his presence, he gives me the ability to speak Spanish outside of mi casa su casa or baño. He gives me the ability to actually speak that language. It's like, that's what we see here in the scripture. That's what's taking place. And so in speaking through these tongues, God is giving a sign to the Jews that, that he is inclusive, that he's all-inclusive, even to the Gentiles and this salvation and to the saving and rescuing man as he invites them into this salvation covenant. And so what we have here is for 1,400 years, church, 1,400 years, the focus has been on the Jews. But what God does is he makes a way through Jesus for the gospel to be inclusive, not exclusive, but to be inclusive for all people everywhere. And then look as the story goes. Then Peter declares this in verse 47. Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. They said, just stay with us, teach us, pour into us. And so the story continues, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who gathered throughout Judea heard uh, that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and you ate with them? See, see they're saying here, what are you doing with those second rate people? What are you doing with those people, that group of people, the unclean, the common folk, the ones that you're supposed to stay away from and have nothing to do with? You went to them? You had something to do with them. I mean, do you just hear the heart of racism in this? I mean, they're humans just like everybody else. They're in need of the gospel just like every other people on the planet. And they start to blast him. See, it's a Jew-Gentile thing here. But if we step back for a moment and we look at our culture and our world, maybe it's a black and white thing in our world today. Maybe it's a white Hispanic thing. Maybe it's a black Latino thing. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe, maybe that picture painted that way, it would, it would make more sense for us. It would be something that we would be able to see, something that we could, we could kind of get our, get our minds around a little bit because we're so far removed from the culture and the world at this time. But, but let's, let's put it in the today and look at what it looks like in our world today. So two things I believe that we need to talk about for a moment and kind of uh, press out here for just a second is this. The first thing that we need to chat about is the heart. The heart, last week I mentioned a little bit and I wanna dive back into it, is the issue of the heart. Church, that's the problem here. See, the heart is sinful and the heart is wicked. So there are tendencies, hear me, there are tendencies even after salvation that, that we need to beg God and ask God to move in and to take care of, to do away, to put to death for us. Every single one of us. 
We need to beg God to do a work in us because even after salvation, there is still the flesh that we fight. We see that over and over and over in the scriptures where Paul talks about dying to self, dying to self, dying to self. Paul talks about being a living sacrifice. It means you're a dead man walking. It means that you have no response to, to, to certain things. That should be the heart. That should be the life that we live, that certain things that we're not even aware of because we're dead to those areas. But what I've learned in my walk, what I've learned in the Christian life is this, is that it's, it's something that we have to wake up every moment of every day and ask God to help me die to self, help me die to self, help me die to the flesh because there are certain tendencies and certain things that if I'm not careful will take me captive. There are certain things as a believer that I still struggle with, that you still struggle with, that we're gonna struggle with. And so we've got to ask God, God, heal me, God, kill these things. Help me put to death these things that do not represent you, that do not bring you glory and honor, things that, that divide and separate. So God in the believer is working by way of the Holy Spirit to do that. God in the believer is working in the Holy, by way of the Holy Spirit to change us into the image of his son. And hear me, that's a process that hurts. That's a process that's difficult. That's a process of God chipping away and rounding off rough edges in our life. And there may be years and years and years of things that we need to unlearn. There may be years and years and years of things that God needs to chip away and God needs to work on and God needs to get down to the bottom of what's, what's happened there and press upon our hearts certain things. And so the fancy theological word for this is sanctification. It's whereby God sets us apart for his glory, for his honor, to do a good work for him. That's what's happening. That's what God needs to do. And it, it begins in the heart. It begins inward for us. So, so maybe for us in this place the last two weeks, this week and last week, maybe it's God revealing some things in our heart that we need to kill. Maybe it's some prejudices or some racism type stuff or some preference type stuff. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a look at somebody and having a thought. Maybe it's a wayward tongue of saying some things. Maybe it's a, a certain sin that we're drawn to and we just need to get on our face before God and beg him to break our heart. And so I believe with when I'm, what I'm about to say here this morning that everyone in this place, we need to do some work on this. I believe this is one area that we really, really need to work on. And so I, I learned a, a new word this week and it's uh, hom homogeneous. Homogeneous is the word I've learned. And so the human heart and its tendency is to be drawn toward homogeneous units. And what I mean by that is simply this, is that we're drawn to things that, that, that are like us. We are drawn to things in certain situations and circumstances and people who are like us, who look like us, who talk like us, who act like us, who are in our same demographics. That's just the natural bent of the human heart is to go to what's comfortable. It's, it's to drift toward things that, that make us comfortable. And so church is nice and it's polite to talk about these things about racism, about separation, about second class and second rate. It, it, it's cute and it's nice and it's needed, but my fear is this, is that we as a church will, will, will drift back to what makes us most comfortable. That, that we as a people will drift back to things that makes us most comfortable, people that makes us most comfortable, situations that makes us most comfortable, circumstances that makes us most comfortable. Do you know where I'm the most comfortable? I'm the most comfortable with a 25 to 45 year old white man got some kids and like sports. That's where I can flourish there. Well, because that's my tendency. That's where I'm at in life. That's what I've got going on. And so for me, it's easiest to kind of just hang out in that area, hang out and flourish in, in that circumstance or in, in that environment. I can, man, I can be fine there. But you put me in a different environment and I get a little antsy, get a little uncomfortable. Mix it up a little bit and I get thrown off. Well, because my tendency is to draw back to what I'm most comfortable to. 
And so for me this week, what God has done in my heart is he's pressed me to the reality that, that I need to break free from that. I, I need to get out of that mold. I need to get away from what makes me most comfortable. I need to get outside of myself and I need to, I need to do some, the difficult work of asking God to change my heart, asking God to do a work in me to help me get outside of myself whereby I can be most effective and most used by God for his glory. And so I believe we all have those tendencies. I believe we're all like that. I believe it's polite and nice to talk about these things and we need to. But we're the church. We're supposed to talk about these things. But we're not just supposed to talk about them. We're supposed to do something about it. See, our God is a God of action. Our God is a God of obedience. He, he wants us to move toward him. And moving toward him, it gets us out of our comfort zone. And moving toward him, it, it, it causes us to think outside of ourselves. It causes us to press into those difficult areas in life. And so to embrace diversity is to lean into uncomfortable conversations. It, it's to risk being misunderstood. That's difficult. And so what I've learned over the last couple of weeks for me is this is I need help. I need help. I, I need people to press into me. I need people to speak into me. See, we're drawn toward homogeneous units. We're drawn to those like us. It's funny because I've been in student ministry for a while and in student ministry, I'm just gonna talk to you for a second because I wanna encourage you, okay? Um, So I've been in ministry uh, for a while and being in student ministry, one of the things that always just seemed to just kind of rub people was clicks. Youth group's clicky. These kids are clicky. I've always been just told that. These kids are clicky. These kids are clicky. Man, they just, they, you, you, we've got to do stuff. So every church that I've been at, that's been one of the things that they've always wanted me to work on is these clicks and these kids. They just need to learn to love each other. They just need to learn to be for each other. They need to learn to, to do all of these things with each other and just get over themselves and just jump in there. And, and I'm thinking, preach it, brother and sister. Yes. Buckle up because what I've learned is I think it might be learned from somewhere else. That'd be a good place for an amen. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's probably a modeled action that they've seen elsewhere. And, and so I just, I just wanna, I just, since we're going down this road, we're just gonna continue to go down this road for a moment. And so kind of the way that I see it played out here, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, this side versus that side. You know what I'm talking about. You, I'll talk to this side of the room for a moment. You know what I mean. Sit on this side. You may see some people, and you may know some people over here, but God help us if we have to go over there and listen to it. it sound, the sermon sounds much different over there, just let me tell you. Those people, you know? And so I know I'm being goofy and I'm being funny right now, but, but, but reality is this, man. Who, who are you sitting, and I'll go back over here and pick on you now for a moment because we need to let them heal for a second. Uh, who, who are you sitting beside here in this place this morning that you don't normally sit beside? Who have you invited in and, and trying to get to know in a little bit better way that, that normally you don't get to? And so the, the crazy thing is this, we want our kids to be uh, all-inclusive. We want our kids to love everybody and love one another. And can't we just get along and you two need to be best friends. You need to be best friends with this person. Do you know him? Do you know? And we want to do all that. But look, there's a huge divide right here even in our church, is there not? Another good place for an amen. Just follow me. You'll, you'll get it. You'll get it. But you know what I'm talking about? We're no different. We're no, this is my seat, my section. I can shift a couple seats forward and backward and left and right a little bit, uh, but God help the person. And has that not been one of the most ridiculous things that we've always fought in church? Well, this, and I grew up in that church. 
They had the cute little blanket folded up sitting there every Sunday. So you knew good and well not to upset Miss Maxine. There would be hell to pay, church, if she had to move. We're talking like church split type stuff. And so, so I just want to encourage you for a moment, okay? Because I think the greatest teacher and learner of this horrific habit that we have that you guys need to fix is sitting all around you this morning. Why? Because this is our tendency, is it not? Let's drift back to what we're most comfortable with. Let's sit next to the people that we always sit next to because that's easy and that's comfortable. And if I have to get to know somebody else a little deeper, if I have to move, God help me for a moment, if I have to move and get out of my own comfort zone. So there's that drift. We're drawn to homogeneous units, drawn to those like us. And so this draw, we, this, this is the draw, this is the reality of where we're at, church. And we've got to do everything we can to crush that, to kill it. Hear me, we don't drift toward diversity. That's not how this works. That's not going to work that way. We drift away from it, if anything. So we've got to fight for it is what we've got to fight for. Because our sinfulness, we always drift, to, drift back to what's most comfortable for us. Homogeny, that's what we always drift back to is homogeny. Those that look like us, those that talk like us, those that act like us, those that best fit our profile, best fit where we're at in life, best fit what's most comfortable for us. That's the drift, always to that, never to diversity. Well, because things get difficult, we get misunderstood. We don't like to do the hard work to be diversified. And so what we see in this scripture is Peter is a catalyst for change. Peter steps up and he informs his brothers. No, 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 that's not how this thing works now. God has opened my eyes and made me realize that this is not how it goes. And, and so just real quick, I don't wanna jump to it, but I just wanna tell you about it because in Galatians chapter two, you can check it out later. What happens to Peter? He gets caught back up in the same thing. He's for his Gentile brothers coming to know Jesus. But then what happens is, is that there's more pressure put on him by the Jews and what does he do? He drifts back over to the Jewish way. He, he leaves the diversity of what God's called. I mean, God gave him the word, man. There's to be no partiality. And what we learn is in the book of Galatians is that, that Paul, it says that Paul confronts the brother to his face. I mean, they're in the middle of all this and Paul's like, yo, Peter, step up. And this is me, this is me over here just telling the story of it. And he's like, step up. And, and I can just imagine Peter being like, yeah, man, what? No way he'll do that Jesus thing to me and chop me down. But yep, 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 Paul, what's up? He's like, what are you doing? Wasn't it just recently you were eating bacon sandwiches? Just having that, that, that kind of food in that culture, in that world? You, were, were you not, didn't you say that what God's made clean, let no man say is unclean? And he gets on our brother face to face and it says that he calls him out, confronts him face to face. And so see, even though Peter, Peter is the man and he is doing it here, and he starts this ball rolling, what was it? Look, there was an easy drift right back to homogeny, right back to what was comfortable, right back to the very environment and culture and place where he, he flourished the most, to what he had been indoctrinated with, to what he knew to be so true and so right, so he thought. And so what, what we learn, what we know is this, is that that, that separation is not of God. Have you ever thought about that? God doesn't look at the color of someone's skin and says, okay, you're worthy, you're not worthy. God doesn't look at someone's bank account and say, okay, you're worthy, you're not worthy. God doesn't look at where somebody lives or what they drive or kind of the ridiculous stuff that we use to separate and to divide out and to, and to draw these lines. God doesn't do that. You know what? God looks at the heart of man is what he looks at. 
If we could put those goggles on for a moment, if we could get over all the ridiculous junk that we use to identify or to separate or to categorize or to do whatever we wanna call it, if we could just get over that stuff and we could just look for the heart. Do they know Christ or do they not know Christ? Who cares about all the other ridiculous stuff? So for me, I just believe with everything in me that the Bible teaches that the church is made up of all people everywhere. We read it last week in Revelation, did we not? When we get there, church, I am afraid that we're gonna be greatly surprised at the reality of who's before the throne singing praises to our God. All people, all languages, all tongues, all nations. And just to let you know, they're not all white like we are. They're not all a certain color. It's gonna be all people everywhere together for the glory and honor of God. One of the things I was reading this week, it says that Sunday is the most segregated day of the week. Take it even a little further. I would say Sunday morning from probably about nine to noon is probably the most segregated day of the week. Segregated time of the week. Does that not blow your mind? Is, is that not crazy? Is that the design that God had? And, and so I'm just as guilty as anybody else because like, what we like to do is like to draw these lines Well, there's black church and there's white church and there's Hispanic church and there's Latino. No, there's just the church, church. Hey, the church, God doesn't divide his church by color. That's not how it works. God divides his church by, are you my people or are you not my people? And if you're my people, then get with it. Let's go after those that are not my people. Let's watch this thing grow and explode. That's how he does it. And his heart is to go after all people everywhere, regardless. I just believe that's God's heart. I believe that's God's part. I believe it breaks God's heart, and I believe it's sin on our part if we don't. And so maybe, maybe the way to ask it is this. Who did you share the gospel with this week? Or who did you invite to church that doesn't look like you or come from where you come from? Or maybe even speak the language that you speak? Let that sit there for just a second. Who, who, who did you invite this week that, that maybe caused you to get out of your comfort zone? Who did you do lunch with this week that maybe caused you to get out of your comfort zone and allowed God to maybe show some areas in your life where there may be some ignorant tendencies there that you need to work through? Where, what have you done to get outside of yourself this week? To go after all people everywhere. And then the second thing I need to say about this scripture here as we looked at this is with these, uh, the, the, the Jewish people in Jerusalem is, is this, don't be that person. Do not be that person. And what I mean is this, is if you don't have something encouraging and nice and uplifting to say, then just don't say anything at all. I, I think the most spiritual way to say it is just, just shut up. There's probably a Greek word for that, which I'm not aware of. I can find it later if you need me to. But, but I, I just, dad, dad would always say, son, if you don't have something nice to say about somebody, then don't say anything at all. And I think that is just beautiful. That's beautiful. That's good. And, 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 and while I'm on this, let's just, let's run with this for a second. While I'm on this, if you do have something that's not going to be nice and pretty to say about somebody, then you go to them and say it. Don't tell 10 other people first and then, then think that you're big and bad and now you can go. No, no, go say it to them first if you've got a problem. You hear me? That's biblical. The Bible says that if you've got a problem with a brother or if you know that somebody's even got a problem against you, you don't even have to have it against them, but if they got it against you, then the Bible says before you even bring your offering, you go make right what's been wronged or you go figure out what the problem is. That's the biblical model. It's not to run our mouth and it's not to say a bunch of stuff. You've got a problem with somebody, then handle it, man. Don't be like these, these people here, these, these Jewish men here who just start to slam, um, slam uh, Peter for what he was doing. You were over there talking to those people? You, shared, you had the audacity to share the gospel with those people? 
And so they slam him and they jump on him and they, they give it to him. And so is this not sad? But is this not a picture of the church today as well? I mean, is this not horrific? See, we're called by God to go after all people everywhere, regardless. And so we see, Pe- we see Peter doing that and then he gets blasted by the in crowd there in Jerusalem. He gets wore out by the good upstanding Jewish people of the time. And so I believe we need to follow in what Peter is doing, but we better respond in a way that's encouraging when we do go to those places and reach those people. But church, that's who we go after. The scriptures tell us everywhere. And we see it in Jesus did this. He didn't come for those who were well. He came for those who were sick, right? That's who Jesus came to seek and save, the lost. That's who he went after. And so before we're so quick to criticize or say something, who have you shared the gospel with this week? Who did you sit down and have a conversation with centered around the reality of who Jesus Christ is and what he's doing? Man, if we could just get that. See, what we see with Jesus is he's dining with tax collectors, definitely the outcasts of the day, second class, second rate. Nobody liked a tax collector. You see Jesus talking to the prostitutes, O-M-G, right? I mean, we would blow that, that Twitter feed up, would we not? Snapchat it, look at, look at who Jesus is sitting next to. Mm-hmm, something going on over there. You're exactly right. He's setting the captive free is what he's doing. Oh, heaven help us if, we, if we're caught there. If we're, now, let me, I need to press back for a moment because I believe, don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is this. I mean, men, be, you, don't, you, don't just, you don't just go go find a prostitute and sit down and have a conversation with her. That's not healthy and good, Okay? Like this, this serious talk for a moment. We don't do that. No, 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 no. Uh, no, no, we're safe and we're careful and we're guarded and we're gonna, we're gonna do those things, but we're gonna, we're gonna take somebody with us. A wife with us. And we're gonna guard ourselves, but we're gonna, do, we're gonna go, what I'm, what I'm saying is this, I don't wanna get silly with it. What I'm saying is this, is we go after those that nobody else goes after. That's what Jesus did. That's what he modeled. That's what we see. We see him going after tax collectors, prostitutes, those that are downcast and out, outside the walls, healing the sick. We see all of that, and that needs to be the heart of us. That needs to be the heart of the church. We need to wear this as a, 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 a badge of honor for the glory of God. My hope and my prayer for us as a church is this. Did you hear who was at church at New Life this week? Those people. Did you hear who they were going after this week? Did you, did you hear who they went and ministered to? Do they not know their reputation? Do, are they not aware? See, that's kind of what's happening here. Peter's out there sharing the gospel to a bunch of people that need the gospel, and in that, he gets criticized, and he gets run through the mud. He's going after the very people that he needs to go after. So he's criticizing. So then what he does is he tells them the story of what God did to him. In this dream and this vision that he has as he's praying, he's hungry and, and how um, he needs to go and he needs to preach to this guy that, that I'm gonna give you a word to say and there's this blanket that comes out. He tells him the whole thing and then look at what he says in verse 15. And as he began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord. He said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave Uh, The same gifts to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Mic drop. That'd blow you up real quick. You got a problem with who I'm talking to? You got a problem who I'm going and loving? 
you got a problem who I'm trying to reach, then you need to talk to the man that sent me. That's who you need. You got a problem with a people group? You got a problem with a circumstance or situation? Don't go running your mouth. Talk to the one that can change is what he's saying. You get on the one that's given me my marching orders and then we'll talk for a second. Because all I know is if you want to go with, uh, to war with somebody, go to war with God and see, see what happens. Because that's what Peter's saying. God is the one that called me. God is the one that told me. God is the one that's given me these orders to go and proclaim and tell. That, church, is a gut-wrenching question that Peter asked there. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I? Who am I to stand in God's way? And see, and I believe that's the question that we need to consider this morning. Are you, am I standing in God's way of culturally integrating or diversifying his church? Are you standing in the way? I don't know much, but what I do know is this, either you're for him or you're against him. There's no middle ground. Either you're in with what God's called his church and his people to do, or maybe you're half obedient, which is complete obedience. You're either for him or against him. And so this week, as I've looked at this, this week, as I've prayed through this, this week, as, I, as I've just, just, just soul searched, I've asked myself that question, am I one standing in God's way? Are you one standing in God's way with reaching people? Hear me, New Life is not my church. New Life is not your church, but rather it's the bride of Christ. And so the church belongs to God. And so he's the one who deems, seems fit to who belongs and who doesn't belong, who's welcome and who's not welcome. And so what I see is that the doors are open for all people everywhere. And maybe you see something different. I would love to have dialogue with that and us talk about that. But what I see in the scriptures is this, is that God's heart, that Jesus' rescue mission was not just for some certain people, but for all people everywhere who would call on the name of Christ. The cross is inclusive. Everybody is welcome. Come and believe and find faith in Jesus Christ. That's what I read and that's what I see. And the ridiculous stuff that we do with color or with background or with where they live or what they drive or what they wear or don't wear, all of that stuff is ridiculous stuff that is not in the scripture there you go church you're catching on that's exactly right all of that stuff is crazy stuff because what we see in the scriptures is this is that Jesus died to save lost man and he didn't say this man or that man and that's what we see breaking down before our very eyes in the book of Acts so to close this morning as the band comes back up I want us to think about that question are you or I standing in God's way of diversifying his church? Are you and I standing in God's way of reaching people? And with that, I wanna give you some reasons why I believe that we stand in God's way. And so my prayer, my hope in these next few moments is it gets really, really uncomfortable for us is that the Holy Spirit does work in this place because I believe these are some reasons, a few of the reasons why we stand in God's way. And I believe the first one is because of pride. And I believe our race has become a source of pride for us. Right, like just in our world, in our culture, we're constantly coming up with things that, that we believe make us significant or things that set us apart from others. Like how smart we are, like how rich we are, how, how uh, we went to this school or that school or how we're a Democrat or we're a Republican or how we're, we live in this place or we drive that car or we wear these clothes. And we just feel like these things make us better. They puff us up per se, make us feel better about ourselves. Look at what I've accomplished and what I've done. It's only by God's grace that you are where you are. Like, you get that, right? Like, you're nowhere near as great as you think you are. 
I'm nowhere near as great as I think I am. And, and I'm the biggest fan of this guy here in the room this morning is this guy right here. Like, I think a lot of me. And pride's something that I've got to crush. And you know the best way to crush pride is to serve somebody that you think is lower than you. To go after somebody that you think is just a little bit lower on the spectrum than you are. To love and to serve and to have conversation and to invite in. And so pride gets in the way. We, we feel like certain things makes us better than certain people. And hear me, I just believe with everything in me that race is one of those things. And I think the most freeing thing for me last week was simply this, and church, I hope it does the same thing for you, is, is, is the fact that who did God question? Did, did, he, did anybody else get the survey of what color you were gonna be when you were born? Who your parents were gonna be when you were born? Where you were gonna live, your dress was gonna be when you were born? what car you would drive when you got to be that age when you were born, what job you would work whenever you got to that age after you were born. Any, anybody else get that survey before you were born and spoken into existence? Me either. And so we can use that kind of ridiculous stuff to divide and to separate and have those kinds of prejudices when it's the God of the universe who deems all of that stuff who deems and who sets and who speaks that stuff into existence. So we don't have the right to get mad at somebody else. If, if, if something like that bothers you because somebody's just a little bit darker than somebody else or because somebody else works at something else, and if, if any of that kind of stuff deems a, as a problem for you, then you need to talk to God. Because what I've learned in my life is if there's a problem between man and God, it's usually not God that's got the, the, the one that the problem is with. It's usually the heart of man. And so I believe that pride is one of those things that stands in God's way that we, allow, that we allow in us to stand in God's way. I think the second thing is this is fear and insecurity. And so I believe that racism comes from fear and insecurity. See what it is is me saying I need something to help me feel safe and significant. And so because I'm a white dude, I can bask in that a little bit. Because I've got this, I can bask in that a little bit and I can find security there. See, we need things so we think to help us feel safe and significant. Because hear me, we don't obtain our worth and significance from God and that's the problem. Because what we learn in scripture, what we see in God's word is that's exactly where we get our significance. That's exactly where we get our worth. And so what we think we do is we have to find stuff that makes us feel worthy. And so we use ridiculous stuff like race or ridiculous stuff like works or ridiculous stuff like I read my Bible this much or I held the door for this person or I did all of those things. And in those moments, what we do is we latch onto race. And what happens is it turns into a, a sense of superiority. My race is the best. Or maybe it turns into insecurity and it rears its head like this, you're not treating me the, with the respect that I so deserve. And so my hope is last week, and I'll say it again because I believe we need to hear it, church, there's only one race. That's it. And it's the human race. That's it. Created in the image of God. And so I don't know where you're at this morning, but I just want to tell you this because I just believe that we need to, to bring the dark into the light as often as we can. And I believe that Satan, what the scripture teaches, that he is a liar and, the, and, and a deceiver. I think the scripture says that he's the father of lies. And so what he wants you to do is to remember how um, that you need to find your worth from certain things. Maybe a relationship, maybe it's a man, maybe it's a woman, maybe from your job, how successful are you? Maybe it's from how successful your kids are. Maybe that's a place where you find worth. 
and those are lousy places to find worth. Because what I want to speak to you this morning and tell you this morning is this. If you have ever wondered if you're accepted in love, you look to the cross every single time. You hear me? And I just want to speak this morning because there's absolutely nothing that you can do in this place this morning to make God love you any more than he already does. Nothing. Absolutely nothing that you can do for God to love you more than he already does. And you know how I know that? Because the cross is Christ is real. The grave is empty, church. That's how I know that. Nothing you can do. And so on the flip side of that, there's nothing that you can do to cause God not to love you more. Nothing. Nothing at all. You can't be too bad for him. You, you can't out the grace of the cross. You can't out the sacrifice of Jesus. And I don't, care, I don't care what somebody's told you. I don't care what somebody's made you feel. I don't, mom and dads, they blow this all the time. Parents blow the, teachers blow this, people, we blow it all the time. And we go looking for love in all the wrong places when the whole time love is right here like this. Let Jesus be the one to set you free from that. Let, may you know this morning in this place that you are loved and you are accepted regardless of what you make on a report card, regardless of how many goals you score, regardless of what job you work, regardless of any of that ridiculous junk, regardless of the color of your skin or what car you drive or how big or how small your bank account is, you are loved and wanted this morning and that's what the cross says. So this fear and this insecurity needs to be done away with because the place that I feel most secure, the place that I feel most safe is at the cross of Christ. That's where I find my worth. That's where I find my worth. I think the third way that we stand in God's way is, is this, is over cultural preferences. And so it's funny how it just works this way because last night we're sitting on the couch. My wife's back in the nursery this morning. And so we're sitting on the couch and channel 16 I flipped to. And that's like the gospel, like worship, I don't know, for gospel, yeah, worship, gospel channel. And like, it's old school. It's old school, old school. But I grew up in that. Like, we, we, were, we were bluegrass folk growing up. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah, praise God, amen. Stomping and snorting, that's what we did. When they preached hell, it got hot. And if there wasn't a little chingy, chingy, chingy with the worship, then there's something wrong. He was sick that morning or the Holy Spirit hadn't got there yet. So, I mean, it was just some of that kind of stuff. So I'm sitting there listening. She's like, what are you listening to? I'm like, isn't it good? I said, Scott, what is that? I said, baby, I'm going back to my roots. Praise God, I got a hanky and let's do this thing. You know, like I'm. But we do stuff like that. We allow ridiculous things like that, cultural preferences to, to interrupt Southern gospel over contemporary. Hymns over this or, or worship styles over this worship style or lights up, lights down, smoke in, no, no, no smoking. You know what I'm saying? Like all of those kinds of things we allow to, to dictate and to stand in the way of God moving and using. And so what has been learned, what has been learned just reading this week is that a lot of black people prefer black worship and a lot of white people prefer white worship. And hear me, neither is right and neither is wrong. A lot of Hispanic people prefer their kind of worship. And so what I want to say this morning is this church is it can't be about preference. It's gotta be about Jesus. 
One of the coolest experiences that I've ever had is I was on a mission trip in Juarez, Mexico, and we're there, and on a Sunday, we go to church, and there was not one English word spoken in that service, but what I got out of that service rocked my world as that band was up there singing praises to our God and our Savior in a, in a language that I, I do not understand at all, that I can't even speak at all, but what I heard in that music was, was universal. I knew the tune, and I knew the words in my tongue, and I got to join in with the church that Sunday and be the church and lift high the name of Jesus. Though they were speaking a language I didn't understand, the very words that I was uttering from my mouth was the same one going to our God who understands all language. I mean, there was just something beautiful that happened in that. So we've gotta, we've got to move past that kind of craziness. Cultural preferences, what I like, what I don't. It's more, it's about the gospel, church. And so what I want to say is that New Life Sunday morning is going to be tailored for the believer. We're going to be about lifting high the name of Jesus. I believe this is when the bride gathers. And yes, with that, it should draw the attention of lost folk. With that, it should draw the attention of the community. Yes, this is a place where lost people will always be welcomed. We need to love the lost. We need to invite the lost. We need to encourage the lost. The gospel will always be prevalent. The music will always be God-honoring, whether, whether no matter what it is. We'll do everything we can to be accommodating to every believer. Every believer. That's gonna be our heart. That's where we're gonna head. So we're gonna do hymns. We're gonna do an acoustic sets. We're gonna do contemporary. I want us to do soulful, southern gospel. I'm not afraid of that. I, mean, I don't care. I want us to do everything everywhere. Why? To draw all people everywhere. Why? So we can all worship the same God. And so what we want is Sunday morning to be a buffet for the believer whereby we are ushered into his presence by music and the proclamation of his word. So that's what we're gonna do here as we go after all people everywhere. And it may cause us to be uncomfortable. You know what, you may not like it. But what I found out is God doesn't care what you like. He doesn't care what I like. What he cares about is his name being made much of and his fame and his glory going out. So the question I wanna leave you with this morning, are you guilty of standing in God's way? Are you guilty this week of standing in God's way? Peter responds and says, I don't care what you say, I am not gonna be found guilty of standing in God's way of reaching all peoples everywhere. And church, that's the church we're gonna be. That's the group of people that we're gonna be. So we're gonna do everything we can to move that direction, reach all people everywhere, regardless of, of skin color, regardless of background, regardless of a of, uh, lot of money, no We don't care. We wanna take the gospel to the nations. Jesus, help us this morning in this place to hear your word, to hear your Holy Spirit draw us. God, again, I pray you save the lost. God, I pray you, you convict us in this room that are struggling with sin. God, whether it's, it's, it's racism or prejudice or God, whether it's just uh, maybe a tongue of, of discouragement instead of encouragement or, or a criticizing whatever it is. And God, I pray this morning that, that you let your people know that they are loved and accepted and appreciated. Jesus, do a work in this place. God, your Holy Spirit, slay us. God, I pray we're slain in the Spirit. Oh, God, that we would just let our guard down and let you work. God, may we not be found guilty of standing in your way. It's your name we pray. Amen. You stand. They're going to lead us. And I want you to hear me say something because I'm going to say this again like I did last week. Just because you come down doesn't mean that you don't like people of different color. You hear me? If you need to do work with the Lord, this altar is always open. It's always a place that, that there will be loving acceptance for God to do work in you. So if you need any time during a sermon, any time during a you come as God places upon your heart.